today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. And you know what makes them go down deep? The storm. Same thing with palm trees, by the way. That's why when hurricane force winds, you see the palm trees, they don't break. They bend. They bow. That's a good posture, by the way, when the storms of life hit, is to bend and bow in humility before the Lord. Stop resisting Him. Stop fighting Him. Let Him do what He wants to do in your life. In his message today, Pastor J.D. reminds you that God is sovereign. Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the spirit of Jesus ruling in your heart. But to realize the great good of his rule, you must humbly submit to his reign. Allow him to teach and discipline you for your good. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired and Truth podcast or download the Inspired and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Verse 5, and now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it shall be burned, and break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will, verse 6, lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, hang on to that, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. For the vineyard, verse 7, of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. There's quite a bit here, and I want to point out a number of things, starting with this hedge of protection, that God says, well, I'm going to remove it now. We often and affectionately refer to it, and even pray for it, pray a hedge of protection. Do you realize that God has a hedge of protection around your life? And how often do we dismiss it and take it for granted? I was talking with a brother the other day, and we were just kind of thinking about all of those times in our lives when God, unbeknownst to us, had protected us without us even knowing. I mean, how about the times that we know where you see the fingerprints of God's hand of protection, His hedge of protection around your life, and it's unmistakable. And you look back at it and you go, wow, Lord, that was close. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. That could have been so much worse. That's just the time that you do know. What about all those times when God in the realm of the Spirit protected you unbeknownst to you? I wonder if in heaven, I know this isn't, I know this is a stretch, but just indulge me. We're in heaven and, and one of the angels comes over and says, hey, um, 
I want to take you into your theater in your mansion, and uh, we pop some popcorn. Oh, it's going to be there's going to be popcorn in heaven, I'm pretty sure. But we just want to show you a video of all the times in your life on earth that God miraculously protected you, unbeknownst to you. I think mine would be like a series, like <laughs> like 10 seasons of <laughs> 15 per season. It would take a long time. Of course, no problem. We have all eternity. So where am I going with this? Well, to me, this speaks to our propensity to take God's hedge of protection for granted. I'm going to take it a step further because it's also when you think about when God says, you know what, I'm not going to even prune you anymore. I'm no more going to dig. I'm not going to prune. I'm not going to tend to this vineyard. And oh, by the way, I'm also going to tell the clouds, no more rain for this vineyard. Because every time I did the pruning, you complained and you uh, resisted, even protested. I was pruning you, but you didn't like the pruning. And then those times in your life when I was tending to the vineyard of your life, and I had to do some digging, I had to dig some things out of your life, those weeds that were choking your life out. And what did you do? You resisted, and you protested, and you made my job a lot harder, and you also made it take a lot longer. You know, many times I think about the trials in my life where I just fought the Lord, kick, kicking, biting, scratching, screaming, God, you know, and had I but just trusted Him, I just wonder if that trial would have ended a lot sooner. If I, in that protesting and resisting and fighting the Lord, did I unwittingly prolong the trial unnecessarily? Probably. That's the impression I get here with what God is saying here. You know, there are those times in our Christian lives when God has to do some pruning. Why? Because He wants to make us more fruitful. So my wife has these, it's amazing, she's amazing. I have an amazing wife, man. So every once in a while she'll make me go out and prune her bougainvilleas. Oh, thank you for that. I, you feel my pain, right? Literally? Even through gloves? Oh, they're beautiful, those thorns though. Man, I, I come in, I look like I've been beat up bludgeoned and just lacerated, you know, with those thorns. But she sends me out to prune them. Why? Because uh, there's going to be more flowers now. But what a painful process. Well, God does that in our lives. Those dead branches that are stopping us from bearing more fruit. And Again, when God does that pruning process, as much as we <laughs> dislike it, it is so needful in our lives. You know, it's like God saying, you know, I, I pruned, I tended, I 
you know, I, I brought the rain. By the way, parenthetically, I need to say this. You know that verse that says, God lets the rain fall on the just and the unjust? I know when I was a young believer, I used to think, yeah, God, get them. You rain on the unjust. No, rain's a good thing in an agricultural society. You know what they call a place that never has rain? A desert. Thank you very much. (laughs) A barren, dry, fruitless desert. No, we need the rain. But isn't it true when those storms of life hit, and the rain, the torrential rain of trials in our lives, what's our response? Oh God, what are you doing? You need water, you need rain, you need storms. In fact, it's those storms that makes the roots of your life go down deeper, so you don't falter and fall when the storms hit. Did you know that about trees? We have a plumeria tree in our front yard. Boy, I tell you, when we first moved here, I thought that's the most amazing thing. Where I come from, they don't have flowers on trees. (laughs) This thing's beautiful. And then the winter came, and it died. And I remember telling my wife, I looked at this plumeria, I said, no, it's dead. She goes, no, it's not. I said, yeah, but I mean, the branches in the winter on a plumeria tree, do they not look dead to you? I mean, they're just, you know, hanging there, just dead, dry, brown, gray, nothing. She says, oh, you'll see. Oh, oh, by the way, it may not look like anything's happening, anything's growing, but you know what those roots are doing? You know the roots of a plumeria tree? Those things are huge, and they go down deep. And you know what makes them go down deep? The storm. Same thing with palm trees, by the way. That's why when hurricane force winds, you see the palm trees, they don't break. They bend, they bow. That's a good posture, by the way, when the storms of life hit, is to bend and bow in humility before the Lord. Stop resisting Him. Stop fighting Him. Let Him do what He wants to do in your life. Verse 8, woe. Now this is a... In our day, woe is like, whoa, that's not what this is. Woe means curse, curse. Curse to those who join house to house. They add field to field till there is no place where they may dwell alone in the midst of the land. In my hearing, verse 9, the Lord of hosts said, truly, Many houses shall be desolate, great and beautiful ones without inhabitant. For ten acres of vineyard, verse 10, shall yield one bath, and a homer of seed shall yield one ephah. This is the first of six curses that are pronounced on Judah, and this one has to do with the greed and the corruption that had taken over. They were completely given over in their corruption because of their abundance, by the way. Isn't that ironic? 
Here God blesses them with such abundance, and it's not enough. They're greedy for more, so much so that they take over another's property, another's home, another's field, and God pronounces a curse upon them for this. Verse 11, woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may follow intoxicating drink, who continue until night, till wine inflames them. The harp and the strings, verse 12, the tambourine and flute and wine are in their feasts, but they do not regard the work of the Lord, nor consider the operation of His hands. Therefore, verse 13, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, verse 14, Sheol has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure. Their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he who is jubilant shall descend into it. People shall be brought down, verse 15, each man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But, verse 16, the Lord of the hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness. Then, verse 17, the lambs shall feed in their pasture, and in the waste places of the fat ones strangers shall eat. So this is the second curse, and it has to do with their hedonistic lives. They are not only given over to corruption, but they are given over to gluttony and drunkenness. We're going to talk more about this in a moment. Actually, the sixth curse. But they in their abundance have now this insatiable thirst and pursuit of worldly pleasures. That's what they live for. They're no longer living for the Lord. They're partying, drinking, eating, merry, and they have no regard, no thought for the Lord of hosts, the things of God. Their pursuit is not of the Lord. They are pursuing not holiness and godliness. They are pursuing the pleasures that the world has to offer. Verse 18, Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as if with a cart rope, that say, Let him make speed and hasten his work, that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come that we may know it. Oh, this is, this is the height of pride and arrogance and insolence. This third curse, interesting by the way, speaks to those who justify their sin. Arrogantly, if you can imagine, 
taunting God, saying, where's your judgment? Go ahead, bring it on us. But see, here's the thing. God is slow to anger. He's abounding in mercy. Mercy. Abounding in mercy. And because He doesn't act immediately in judgment, those given over to this, to their own peril I might add, mistakenly believe that they've gotten away with it. It's no big deal. And that's what this curse is about. Again, it goes back to this taking blame for one's sin. This is now taking it to a whole new level where you're justifying it. You're justifying it. And when this kind of justification of sin reaches full measure, it manifests in this notion that, oh, well, God hasn't judged me or chastised me. It must be no big deal to God. And so you kind of just kind of justify it. Here's how it sounds in our lives. It's very subtle. Go something like this. Oh, it's just that, it's just a little thing. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, it's just this one area, this one issue. Oh, it's an issue. You know, when it comes to adultery, we've really kind of taken the edge off of it. We don't call it that. We call it an affair. Oh, it's just an affair. No, it's adultery. (laughs) No, it's just this, I just have this one issue. No, it's sin. Call it what it is. Because as long as you continue to call it anything but, it's hands off to God. Because God doesn't forgive issues. Right? First John 1 9. Confess your issues. And He is faithful and just to forgive you of your issues and cleanse you of all of your affairs. No, sin. Sin. Hey, come on. That's legalism. (laughs) Really? Legalism? No. You're a sinner. You've sinned. When are you going to stop justifying it and making excuses for it? Oh, we're so good at making excuses. You want to talk about brilliant creativity. We come up with some of the most amazing excuses to justify it. And again, point the finger of blame. Well, you know, I know, but if you only knew my wife and the things that I have to deal with with her, you know, you're justifying it. And by the way, you know how insidious that is? It's not just pride, it's spiritual pride. Spiritual pride. Verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, 
who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is well known, right? Often quoted, we refer to this. This is kind of a go-to, especially, and you'll forgive the pun, (laughs) when it comes to low-hanging fruit. We cite this nation, the United States of America, which I think in all fairness, this is an apt description of not just this nation, but the whole world. Evil is good now. And good? Oh, evil. Bitter is sweet. Sweet is bitter. We know that the church is in a weakened state, feckless. You'd be hard-pressed to find a church that doesn't look like the world. Instead of the church reaching the world, the world has reached the church. Instead of the church influencing the world, the world has influenced the church. Again, I know this is low-hanging fruit. Good is evil, evil is good. But here's the thing. This will always ensue when one forgets God and rejects God. Everything's out of whack. Everything's upside down. Everything's backward. When you reject the truth, then any lie is in play and fair game. But all of a sudden now, the Christian is the problem. And isn't it true that the Christian's in the way? Well, you know, one of these days, I believe very soon actually, sooner than any of us could possibly imagine, we're going to be taken out of the way, and so is the restrainer. 2 Thessalonians 2. And you know, I know that God's not going to let me do this when we're taken out of the way and taken out of this world in the rapture. But I want to be able to say, and this is in a very sanctified way, so don't look at me like you're looking at me right now. <laughs> I, want to be, I want to be able to say, okay, you can have the world now. It's all yours. Oh, spoiler alert, (laughs) you only get it for seven years. And oh, by the way, it's not going to be pretty for seven years. (laughs) But it's all yours. Aloha. (laughs) Is that mean? Is that bad? I tried to be sanctified and pastoral and... But you know, it's kind of like right now the Christian's the problem, the Christian's the enemy. I read an article in my, uh, I read so many, I have to go through so many things, and um, I didn't really have time to vet it, but if I'm not mistaken, it may either already be the case in America, or it is about to be the case in America where the Bible, you know this whole cancel culture thing? The Bible's going to be outlawed because it's hate speech, And it's uh, anti-LGBTQ, it's, you know, just down the list, it's racist. So it's just a matter of time. You know, they've censored us, uh, you know, on the prophecy updates on YouTube. It's just a matter of time before a Bible study like this in Isaiah chapter 5 is going to be censored. If the Lord tarries, certainly it will. Because evil is good and good is evil. 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with your will. Oh.